Well, today we continue our study of the book of Genesis. If you were in Bible class, you already have looked at this whole chapter. We're going to look at the first portion of it and uh, let it speak once again to our lives. Let's be standing, please, as we hear this, God's Word. Adam lay with his wife Eve. She became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now, Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. Its desire It desires to have you. And the way it was originally written is, Ata Timshel Bo. You must master it. May God bless the reading of his word. Well, I've done it again. I do this in September almost every year. I've overdosed on football. And you may not care anything about football, but I really enjoy it, and I miss it. I miss it during the last part of the winter after the Super Bowl. And then you have to go through the spring and all that long, hot summer, and there's no football. And finally, it's here. Really enjoy going to high school games on Friday nights. You know, it, it takes almost a whole season to go to every high school team that we have some kind of a connection with here at Johnson Street. But I I love trying to do that. And I also enjoy watching football on TV. But I really kind of have a love-hate relationship with football on television. You know, on one side, it's good because you really get the best seat in the house. I mean, you're right there, wherever the action is, you see everything. You can even see the expressions on the players' faces. Unfortunately, sometimes you can read their lips. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but you can, you're right there, and, and whatever's going on, you, you get to see it up close. But that's the bad part, too. Because, you see, what you actually see in a football game on television is whatever this guy sitting in a truck outside the stadium decides that you can see. If you're there, you can watch whatever you want to watch. I like to watch the offensive line blocking sometimes. I just sort of focus in on that and watch their blocking schemes. Sometimes I like to watch the linebackers. I love to watch the wide receivers and the routes that they're running to see if maybe I can pick out one that's getting open and see if the quarterback finds him too, you know, and all those things. It's a lot of more fun whenever you have the freedom to watch what you want to watch. But if you're watching it on television, it's pretty much determined what you will see. Well, I was thinking of that as I read this story, because to be honest, 
There is much in this story I would like to watch that's just not there. For example, Adam and Eve. I really would like to keep my eyes on Adam and Eve, mom and dad, while this story of Cain and Abel is playing out. Obviously, Cain and Abel by this time are adult children. They're out working. Cain is a farmer. Abel is a shepherd. And so Adam and Eve have done their job. They've raised the kids, but you know their heart is still with them. I know that because I'm a parent of adult children as well. And you know that Adam and Eve, their hearts break as they see this story playing out. But we don't get to watch them. Instead, our focus is on Cain and Abel, or really, upon Cain. And we see them bringing their offering to the Lord, Cain bringing the produce of his land, and Abel bringing the produce of his flock. And we see them offering before the Lord there at the altar. And for some reason... God chooses to let his favor and his acceptance be experienced and felt by Abel, but he lets his displeasure and his rejection be known by Cain. Why is that? We really don't know. Now, we have some ideas. Some people say, well, it's because Abel brought animals and Cain brought grain and fruit and produce of the land. But we do know that later in Israel's history that grain offerings were ordered and they were acceptable as well. Or perhaps we look at that little description of Abel's offering, how he brought the first fruits or the fat of the firstborn. And and Cain's offering is not described as the best It's just really not described, and so we think, well, maybe that's it. But you know, we really don't know. We think of of the passage in the book of Hebrews. We jump ahead to the New Testament where it says that by faith, Abel offered a better sacrifice. And so we know it has something to do with faith, but exactly what that is, we don't know. Or we look at 1 John chapter 3 where we're told that Cain wasn't accepted because he did not love his brother. My eyes go back looking for Adam and Eve again with that. Because you know they knew that. They knew that Cain did not love his brother Abel. And doesn't your heart break for them? You wonder how that played out in their lives with two brothers being at odds with each other. Because, kids, let me tell you a secret. Your parents love you all their lives. And even when you grow up, if you have brothers and sisters, the greatest way you can bring them to light is just get along. To love one another. And to let them see that. God has that desire for all his creation. And the thing that breaks his heart is when his children don't get along. I know that because in Psalm 133, 
And we're going to take a little detour here. We'll get back to Cain and Abel just for in a minute. But in Psalm 133, it's a short little psalm, just three verses long. And we read this psalm at least once a year and sometimes even more often than that. But I always wonder when we read it, did we really hear it? Because it begins very easily, but then it goes off into some kind of strange metaphors. And we get kind of lost in those metaphors. And I don't know that we finally come back and hear the main point. Listen to Psalm 133. How very good and pleasant it is when kindred, that's the way my version says it, when brothers and sisters. Now that can mean people of a physical family, or it can also mean just people of a spiritual family or a nation like Israel. All those people who call themselves brothers and sisters. How very good and pleasant it is when kindred live together in unity. And then we start these rather strange descriptions of that. It says, it's like precious oil being poured upon the head. Uh, we don't do that much anymore. Uh, you know, we don't pour oil on people's head. But, but used to, they did that as a sign of, of anointing for a special service or, or even as a sign of welcome and of love. And we think of, of Jesus being anointed uh, by the woman with a sweet perfume. But it's a, it is like precious oil on the head running down upon the beard on the beard of Aaron. Now, Aaron was anointed as the high priest, and he had oil poured over his head, and it's just pouring down and running over the collar of his robes. That kind of sounds strange to us, doesn't it? But, but don't lose the point. Hold on. Here we go. It is like the dew of Hermon, this mountain, which falls on the mountains of Zion. It's like the dew of this tall mountain coming and falling on arid old Zion. What a blessing that is. Anybody here would love to see moisture falling? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's what it's like when people get along. That's what it's like when kindred live together in unity. And notice the last part. He says, for there God has ordained his blessing. Where? In children getting along. For all of us, in our families, there's where blessing is, is when there is love. And when we get along with one another and live in unity. For there the Lord ordained his blessing. And what is his blessing? Life forevermore. Where there is unity, where there is love, there is life. Where there is hatred, there is death. In so many ways, where there is anger and where there is hatred, there is death. That's what this story is about, isn't it? The story of Cain and Abel. So let's look at it, and since I can't look at Adam and Eve, well, let's look at Cain, okay? Because Abel's going to be dispatched here pretty quickly. The story really focuses in on Cain. And let's ask the question, okay, then what are you telling us? Story? What is it that we need to carry away from this? When Cain was rejected, Cain got angry. Anybody identify with that? Sure you can. I can. Not being accepted, being pushed away, 
being treated unfairly. Now, we could argue, well, he really wasn't treated unfairly, but we can't really say why. But now, that's not the point. The point is that Cain thought he was being treated unjustly. And Cain has some why questions. Why is this happening to me? Why did this happen? Why did that person do that? Why, why, why? So this story is about anyone sitting in this room that has a why question that you never have gotten an answer to and you probably never will get an answer to. Some of us have some pretty important why questions. There's been some events in our lives that have ripped our lives to pieces and we still wonder why. Well, that's where Cain is right now. He's thinking, why is this happening? And so God comes and talks to him. Oh boy, now God's going to come down and he's going to explain why everything has happened the way that it has. Wrong. He doesn't explain a thing. Kind of reminds us of the book of Job. book of Job frustrates me too. You know, we know why everything's happening to Job. Job doesn't know why everything's happening to Job. And even at the end of the book, when God comes and talks to him, he still doesn't tell him what's going on. Does that bother anybody else? (laughs) Well, here he's going to come talk to Cain, and Cain's all upset. Why didn't you accept my gift? Why do you like Abel better than me? Why is this all going on? And he doesn't give him an answer. Now, It could be that Cain could have understood the answer. I don't know. I I think a lot of times God doesn't give us the answer to our why questions, not because he couldn't, because we probably wouldn't understand it to begin with. But when God comes and talks to Cain, he says, all right, let me set this conversation. Let's talk about this. You're angry. But you know, if you do what's right, You'll be accepted. But if you do what's wrong at this point, Cain, 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 do you realize this is your moment? This is the moment of your life. At this moment, from now on, whichever way you choose to go is going to set the course of your life. If you do well, all will be well. But if you choose to go out that door, that door of hatred, vengeance, and anger, then sin is like this animal sitting out there, and it is going to jump on you and rip you to pieces. And then he looks at him and he says, Tim And that is the word of grace to Cain, and it's the word of grace to us. Timshul means you can choose. You can choose good, you can choose evil. You can choose. It is the word of grace to God to Cain because he says, you know, we're going to forget all this stuff that's happened before. What I'm really interested in is what are you going to do right now? What reaction are you going to have? Are you going to turn this way or that way? That's what I care about. I don't really care about who you've been in the past. What I care about is who you're going to be now and who you will be in the future. 
That is the word of God that is grace in our lives. Because that's his word to us as well. That when we have our why questions, whenever we feel treated unfairly and unjustly, then we too know that crouching animal outside the door. We know the feeling that comes to our hearts that we are going to react this way or that way. We're going to be angry. We're going to be bitter. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And God comes to us and says, just do good. That's the choice you need to make. You have that within your ability. You don't have to be controlled by what's happened in your life. You can choose to return good for evil. Tim Schill. It's interesting to me that when Jesus started talking about murder, you, you know, you jump, <laughs> the jump tracks with me here. We're in Matthew now. Jesus is preaching the Sermon on the Mount, and he starts talking about murder. Have you ever noticed that about halfway through that discussion of murder, he says this, and when you are offering your gift at the altar, now, have any of you ever sort of felt whiplash there? Like, where did that come from? Yeah. Well, it dawned on me one day that probably that came from the fact that when he started talking about murder, he's thinking about Cain and Abel, because Cain was the first murderer, Abel the first murder victim. So he gives this advice, he says, and when you're offering your gift at the altar, and you remember there's something going on between you and someone else, then before you come in worship, before you offer that gift, why don't you go get together with your brother, or your sister, or your friend? Now, we know that things had been happening between Cain and Abel before there came time to go to church. You know, don't know what those things are either. Just wonder what would have been different if Cain had gone and settled their differences first before they ever got to the altar. But this is God, and this is Jesus' advice to us. Go and settle those things. Be reconciled to your brother and sister. Then you come. And then you worship. In other words, our relationship with God begins with our relationship with our families, with our friends, and with our church. 1 John chapter 4, verse 20 says, Those who say, oh, I love God, but they don't love people, they're liars. They're just fooling themselves. Now, that's all fine and good as long as everything's going good in your life. As long as everybody's treating you right. As long as everything's happening the way it should. But what happens when you are treated unfairly? What happens when there's something that you think is unjust and it's just wrong? Tim Schill, you choose. You can choose what happens. Paul is thinking about this in Romans chapter 12 when he says, Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but stop. As soon as you recognize that something wrong has happened, stop and begin thinking, what will be the noble thing to do? What would be the good thing to do? Do not let evil overcome you. Now you tell me what Paul is thinking about when he wrote that. He's thinking about that evil right outside that door, just ready to jump on us. As soon as we go to the door of anger and hate 
and vengeance and throw it open. He says, don't open that door. Don't let evil overcome you. You use the only weapon you have against unfairness and injustice. You overcome evil with good. This is exactly what God is saying to Cain. Now is your moment. Make your choice. He says, I know how you feel. I know what those feelings are. But Cain, Tim Schull, you can make a good choice. And your whole life hangs in the balance. Any of you John Steinbeck friend, uh, friends? I hope, anybody a friend with John Steinbeck? <laughs> Fans, that's the word, a fan. Love to read his work. He, John Steinbeck, although, you know, he, I know I had disagreements with him. Great student of theology and of human nature. He wrote a book called East of Eden. And it's this story. It's a story about leaving the presence of God and the family that struggles with these very same things going on in, in this first family. In fact, the father's name is Adam in East of Eden. And his two sons have an A and a C named Aaron and Cal, is what they begin to be called in the book. And don't have time to give you a whole synopsis of the book. I know many of you have already read it anyway. But the story is of the conflict between the two brothers and how Cal uh, is so cruel and mean. But he also, he's that way because he feels he just hasn't got his father's blessing. And the father loves Aaron more than he loves him. And just so much going on there. And so the way that Cal treats Aaron and the information he gives him causes Aaron to be so distraught that he leaves home and he goes and joins the military and is killed. Well, immediately, Cal feels responsible for that because he knew he, knew he drove his brother away. And also, to add to his guilt, when his dad hears about his son's death, he has a stroke and now lies in his bed dying. Well, Cal goes to take care of him and he seeks that blessing from his father that he had wanted so badly. And as his father's dying, Cal leans over his bed and, and begs for the blessing. Let me read the last few lines of this marvelous book. Adam looked up with sick weariness. His lips parted and failed. He tried again. Then his lungs filled. He expelled the air and his lips combed the rushing sigh. His whispered word seemed to hang in the air. And what was that word? Timshel. His eyes closed and he slept. Cal, it's up to you. It's up to you what you do now. It is in your power to do good. And it's in your power too. And I don't know what situations you're struggling with in your families, among your friends, or even some here at church. But the call in your life is to answer whatever injustice and whatever question of why you have with something good. That good may be to take a first step toward the Lord who is there waiting for you and has been waiting for you to come to Him, to embrace Him in faith, to embrace Him in baptism. Or maybe he's the father of you as a prodigal son that you have been in his home, but you've left and it's time to come back. You can do it. It lies within your power to choose good. Let's stand and sing.